The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. And it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And, I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small and at times, we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy... Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told I me found, i got rocket money okay i found one it i'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on but thank you for finding it <laughs> my god it was embarrassing <laughs> yeah because it's like you want to watch some show and you go oh, i have to subscribe to this uh this streaming dev- uh, whatever mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show you watch it you leave and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month it's, it is embarrassing Ugh. you know 75 percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about before i started using rocket money i thought i had you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. This is a big one. This is, um, you know, the last two days here, we've had um, some brilliant guests. It's Supernatural Week. And it's been fun. Have you guys had fun? I've had so much fun talking to these gentlemen. They've been on this show since most of you were like four years old. And now it's ending. It's the final season. Holy shit. Thank you again for listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Subscribe, write a review. Tell tell your friends. Tell your, I mean, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. 
Uh, Tom Welling and I will be signing October 18th in Columbus, Madison, Wisconsin on the 25th, November 8th in Austin. Then my band goes to Germany, Left on Laurel, our debut album. I mean, how many albums do you get in your lifetime? I never thought I'd make an album. This is my problem, my only album. Today is the day it comes out on all platforms. So either buy it on iTunes or um, listen to the hell out of it. Um, also, you can go to the Inside of You store and you could purchase vinyls, uh, hats, stickers, shirts. We're really excited. And at the end of this episode, we're going to play track four for you from the debut album, Saved by the Ground. And uh, Jensen really liked this album. Mm -hmm. That's the word on the street. So right now, Jensen Ackles, I don't think I need to, you know, Dean Winchester. I mean, he was on Smallville. He was actually Kristen Kruk, who, who was Lana. He was her football coach, which was weird because he was like the same age as Tom Welling. And he's in a high school football coach dating Lana. The times have changed, folks. But then he got his own show. Final season of Supernatural. Final guest of the week. Dean Winchester himself. Jensen Ackles. I love this man. I've known him for a long time. I love seeing his success. Let's get inside. Jensen. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Jensen Ackles, dude. Rosie, 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 man. How long's it been? Uh, it's been, um, I don't know when the last time I've seen you. I, I can't remember. Did we not run into each other in Vancouver when you were up there doing, um, uh, Impastor? Yeah. My Impastor yeah. lasted 13 less seasons than you, than Supernatural. <laughs> we we got we got done with two. You you know what? Again, there it is. You got in, you got out. We got it. Yeah, it's like that. Exactly. Hey, it's the See, old ackles. I don't, I don't right now. I don't know when to leave. That's the problem. I've I've over I've overstayed my welcome. But you know when to leave now. This is it. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's let's hope so. Let's hope this was the. Uh, I mean, it was a gamble either way. It was a gamble to continue on. It was a gamble to to call it quits. So so you're I, saying? I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you right now saying on inside of you that there is a small remote possibility that Supernatural might even think about another year after this year that they've decided to end the show? Are you giving a morsel of hope? Just a morsel. Like, are you giving like a fragment, like uh, Andre the Giant's penis compared to my penis? Like a small, mm. small. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous to go into that comparison. Sure. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I, I I love the show. I mean, I've gone this long. Why wouldn't we just keep going? But at the same time, it's, you know, and this this isn't just coming from me. This is a, a laundry list of people that have had that have had this conversation and, and are continuing to have this conversation. But it was one of these things where, you know, let's decide before it's too late. Let's decide before it, it gets decided for us. And I think that's that's where a lot of us wanted to reside was. We made the call. It was, you know, we wanted to be a little bit like Elway, uh, you know, go out, go out while we're still going strong. Right. And I didn't, you know, and, and at this point now, I think that the, the ship has sailed the, uh, or for the the code has been written for you youngsters out there. Uh, and I, I don't know that that's, you know, I don't know that we can change Hang that. Hang on now. a second. So you're saying like, well, let's say how many episodes do you do a year now? 18? Uh, we were 23 for most of the series and we just dialed it back to 20 last season and we're going to do 20 again this season. All right. So let's say episode 15, you're like, dude, we've got the highest ratings we've ever had in our lives. The, the ratings just shot up cause it's the final season and the storylines, the best storyline we've ever had. And Oh my God, you know what could happen? I know at the very end that Misha dies his character dies or whatever. And, but what if we did, and then we, you, one of you guys come up with the most insane idea that goes, we got to do one more. That could happen. I would be, I would be in the other camp. You're damn right. We nailed it. We knocked it out of the park. Let's go off into the sunset. You would, be. I would be more upset if it wasn't that. So you'd say, God, it really sucked this last year. Let's go one more. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> that I would be. Yeah. That's when I would be like, guys, we might want to think about another season. We really, we, we really screwed the, the, I mean, this is, this is not good. This isn't what we wanted to, this isn't how we wanted to end. 
Well, look, man, I remember, I've known you for a long time. I remember. Was uh, it like, was it, didn't it like Montana? Didn't he go to like Kansas City? And, and uh, who remembers that, that though? Yes, he did go to, Joe Montana went to Kansas City. Yeah, Montana went to Kansas City. And it was like, why? Yeah. Why would you do that? But, but no one remembers Kansas City. They just remember the glory days with the 49ers. Jordan and the Wizards, too. Yeah, nobody remembers Yeah, but Wizards. you know what? I remember Kansas City. Do you and remember Kansas City? Of... You don't want people to remember your Kansas. You don't, yeah. I, I don't get... want, I don't want to go out with, I don't want to go out Kansas City style. That should be the last episode. It should be called Kansas City. I want to go out Lawrence, Kansas style. Lawrence, Kansas style. Home of like. See, that's a little right. tip of the hat to the show, which you may or may not yeah, know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Based, so, yeah. We don't need to go to the big city. We've known each other for a long time. Like, I've known you for probably since, what, around 2000, 2002? Well, yeah, yeah. That was probably right around the time. Uh, I mean, let's see. I came on Smallville at, like, it was, like, 03. 03. And, and let me get this straight. You played Kristen Crook's boyfriend, and you were also a high school gym teacher. Yes. Where was the Me Too with them? <laughs> that right? shit wasn't a flu. Oh, no way. <laughs> right? My favorite part about that whole situation was I was the coach of the or the whatever. I was a coach on the football team of which Clark, Clark. was quarterback. Yet I'm actually younger than than Welling in real life, and and somehow <laughs> somehow that didn't matter to the producers at all. And when they called me in, they're like, "We've got an idea that we want to pitch you and bring you on the show." And I was like, "You want me to play the the football coach?" In what capacity? And they're like, well, let us put, let it put it. You're going to play Kristen Crook's boyfriend. I'm like, whatever you want me to play. That's fine. If you want me to be the football coach or the janitor, that's, I, but I, you're Kristen's in. boyfriend, I'm in. And you were on the show for two, three years, five years? One, dude. One. I, I felt like you were more, more uh, seasons. Well, that's just because I left a lasting impression. I was one season. Because I remember you and I nude in a scene, like uh, hung up in some, like, with our shirts off or unbuttoned, hanging up, being tortured? No, that was when we went and played racquetball that one afternoon. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's an episode where we're like, our hands are tied up. And we're <laughs> yes, like... yes. <laughs> <laughs> and racquetball. And racquetball. And racquetball. I remember that. Yeah, and I also yeah. remember, I believe, uh, I believe I killed you. Uh, you did. Didn't I kill you? Didn't I throw you off a mountain or shoot you or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I was in the house. I was in the I was in the Kent house, I think, when I when it all crumbled to the ground, and I was I was in that explosion. And were were they already talking to you about supernatural at that point? Yeah, because I had I had had a uh, I had a two year deal with with Smallville, and so I was supposed to come back and do the next season. So they had to ride a death for me quickly because uh, the the network yanked me off of of that show and and had me ready for Supernatural for the next season. So season one was season five of you guys. And you tested, you went and tested for supernatural. Of course, at that point, right. You weren't a huge star then. Well, it was, it moved quick. Cause Nutter was the, was the director. Right, who, who, and Nutter, yeah. Nutter knew me from, uh, you know, dark angel and, and Smallville. And so we, like, he was like, this is your guy to, uh, to Kripke who, who created it. And then Jared, they pulled him off of Gilmore Girls. So they, it was all, it was a very in-house operation. Uh, you know, Jen Alari, who was running the network at the time, he knew both of us. He he was uh, more than happy to sign off on both of us. Peter Roth knew both of us at the time. He was more than happy to sign off on us. So we we the testing process went basically like this: we read once for Eric and David. I did, and so did Jared. The next time I auditioned was the full network studio test with Jared and nobody else, no other actors were involved in the test. Usually you show up and there's like four or five other guys, you know, testing for your part. Everybody's got their contract. Nobody knows what the hell it says. Um, yeah, we just showed up and it was just he and I, boom, wow. that was it. And did you, when you read the first script, you knew Nutter was directing, right? When you saw the, the show, the first episode, did you go, yeah, we'll get a season from this. Or did you go, I don't know. No, I, 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 I immediately was like, oh, I think we're, I think we got something here. But I was like, oh, we might get a full season out of this. And then as the show started to, to get into it, I was like, wow, we might actually get more than one season. I mean, all the while thinking like, we could break records here and get like three full seasons before the show gets canned. But then after about midway through the, the first season, it was the whole merge. It was a uh, UPN uh, WB merge. And I was like, oh, no, that's it. There's, We're gone. There it is. New guys yeah, will come in or screwed. 
Was it close to ever getting canceled? Oh, we were on the bubble every year. Every year you were on the bubble. Every single till year. When? Because, till when? Um, honestly, until uh, last year. Until Pedal, yeah. <laughs> I, I believe we're still on the bubble right now. I, I, I'm not sure we're going to get the back nine. I, I think it was in, in, until Mark Pedowitz uh, came in and he kind of assessed. I, I don't want to pull, point fingers at Don Ostrov. I think I think she she did great. She was she was given a very difficult task in marrying two networks and then trying to make shows that weren't necessarily her style of show uh, work within her uh, uh, business plan. And we just weren't a show that I think she gravitated towards. Uh, just we just weren't her. This isn't our. This isn't our vision of the, where the network's going. That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, she was more the Gossip Girl, the the reboot of the nine hundred two one zero's. The you know, she, it was that that kind of teenage angst drama type of network that I think she was a little bit more in tune with. I mean, even you guys were a product of this a bit. Yeah. Oh, they they threw us at this night, Tuesday night. Oh, they'll fail at Tuesday, and then we killed it. So they were trying to get rid of all that stuff. And if, if they would have, all these other shows probably wouldn't be there. If they would have got rid of Small, if they would have got rid of Supernatural, then Flash, Arrow, all these other shows never would have come about, probably. I agree. I mean, we were a launching, we, you know, we became a launching pad for Arrow. We became a launching pad for When you say Vampire we, Diaries. when you say we, you're saying Smallville too, right? Yeah. yeah well, you guys, were our, you guys were our <laughs> launching pad. Around. You guys launched, you guys helped launch us. And then we were saddled up with you for, for quite a while, which um, I think you guys kind of hit hit multiple markets in the fact that you were, you know, you were the superhero, but you also were playing into that kind of teenage drama right. angsty thing, which which I think is what it was easier to digest for, for her than than us. I mean, we were a horror movie every week. That's not something that she was necessarily into at the time, which I am. I'm into that shit. It's and it's so fun. It's so fun. To, I mean, I think it's one of the reasons why we have so much fun on set is because we're not the stuff we do is so outrageous and so ridiculous. It's fun to do. You know, you can blend this like crazy genre of horror with this action packed kind of uh, uh, adventurous genre. And then you also pepper in some comedy and it's like sign me up for 15 seasons. Yeah, I mean, obviously it evolves. I mean, from the first, you know, the first pilot, did they have a lot of the comedy in there or did it really sort of become funnier and darker and creepier and all these things? It just kind of evolved like every other show in a way. Yeah, it, it certainly evolved. I do believe that there was a little bit more of maybe maybe less comedy, more of that kind of devil may care uh, attitude written for, for my character specifically. In fact, it's, it's, it's no uh, secret that... Eric, originally, the, the creator, he said, I, I based these two characters off of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. And Han had some moments. He had some comedic relief moments in those movies. I don't know, necessarily think that they were in the script. I think that was just Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford and just adding that flavor. And so I kind of took that as a blueprint and then expanded on it and added a little bit more of kind of the ridiculous humor because I thought it was a nice balance with how deep and and scary and horrific the the images that you were seeing on screen could be balanced with the goofiness that we could we could provide. Right. I mean, growing up, were your parents always supportive? Were you always, did you always want to be an actor? Because you were an athlete, right? You're an athlete in high school. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I kind of walked both paths. I, I I was I was doing drama and I was performing in like the you know the annual spring plays. Did you love it back then? Did you love acting? I don't know if I loved it because it wasn't I, I wasn't living in an environment that really nurtured that as much as it did sports. You know, I mean, growing up growing up in Texas, like it's it's all about what organized sport you're a part of and how good your team is and how, you know, if you're gonna get scouted by college scouts. And there's a lot of pressure. I think that's changed dramatically since I grew up here. Um, but the arts weren't really focused on as much as sports were and so i kind of took my you know lead from from that and and focused a little bit more on my athletics and less on the dramatics and then ultimately i just i started to succeed more in, in the dramatics than in the athletics and that led me to hollywood and then it was that was it do you think that sports were sort of looked down or not sports but um like you said like with acting was it kind of like i grew up in indiana 
I was born in New York, but I grew up in Indiana. And, you know, I don't think theater, again, was one of those big things. Although the University of Evansville was like 10 miles away where Rami Malek went. You know, he graduated from there. and He went on to do Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, who else was from there? I mean, there was a couple people that went on to be actors, uh, me being one of them. But, you know, I can't say that everybody wanted to go see the play on a Friday night or Saturday. They wanted to go see sports. Like you said, did you get, did people look down and you're like, come on, man, what are you doing? Did they were, were they real hard on you? They're like, come on, man. What, they call you names. They call you fairy boy who wants to do theater. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was certainly more of a, uh, of an acceptable behavior back then. I mean, I, I'm yes. glad that those times, the times have changed that, you know, you'll get raked over the coals. If you, if you ostracize somebody to that degree and, right. and good, you should, because there were some people that, that I was in theater with that really, really got bullied bad. And it was a time and it was a, a culture then where it was even looked at. Like, I wish that there were more more opportunities where I could have stood up for, for that person. Sure. But, you know, they didn't speak out because it would just make things worse. Sad. And I'm glad now that people have people like that have a voice and and uh, um, that that people who who can fight for them fight for them uh i wish i i wish i'd had a chance and an opportunity to do more of that when i was younger but um but regardless yeah that was it was like there's not i don't think there's other folks from it's it's mainly sports athletes you know a couple of musicians not a lot of theater is is given a whole lot of credit hey what's up who's that that's uh it's my daughter SJJ. say hi JJ. jj hey what's going on what are you doing? Are you, are you going swimming? She can't hear you. You're on the. Well, iPhone, then you baby. tell her what I just said. Say, are you going swimming, baby? <laughs> he says, I don't know where your lovey is. Why don't you go find it yourself? <laughs> That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I'm just kidding. Is it? Uh, is it not in the car? Okay. Well, it's. I know it's not in here. So keep looking. <laughs> okay. No problem. No, we're keeping that in. I think it's a nice touching moment. And by the way, when I said baby, I was saying that because I feel like you would call her baby. All right, baby. Uh-huh. I could feel like yeah. a little southern accent like you'd say baby. Yeah. Oh, like it's all right, my baby. Hey, baby, I love you. It's I don't right, know where your damn swimsuit is, man. <laughs> I don't know where I don't know, baby. Is. I don't know where your lovey is. I don't know where your lovey is. Get your little lovey ass out of my way while daddy does an interview. <laughs> you don't talk like that at all. <laughs> I don't at all. I know. Not at all. But anyway, where were we? Uh, I was just talking about like being an actor and how hard it was. And like, it's cool. Yeah, and and I'll, never, I'll never forget uh, my senior year. I did the, the the big spring. We put on a musical and it was West Side Story. And, and who are uh, you? Actually, I played Tony. You were Tony. I was Tony. And I had never sung in front of an audience before in my life. And, oh, and, my uh, God. Certainly not to an audience of my peers. Uh, I remember opening night and I get out there and it's the, it's that big opening. Like could be, who, who knows? There's something new. Anyway, I will know right away. Soon as, as it shows. It may be cannonball that never this guy. Even inside right as a rose and bum. So that was, uh, I'm out there and I'm just, you know, wailing and the entire, cause I was, I was on the baseball team. The entire varsity baseball team is sitting in like the first, the first two rows. And you can't see when you're on stage, you know, this, there's lights in your eyes. You can't really see past the first two rows. Oh, I get nervous just now thinking about that. And there they all are. And I'll never forget coming down on that proscenium by myself on the stage. First song, first time you see me come out on stage. And I, I'm, I'm belting it out, and I just see the faces, and they're just slack jawed, just like <laughs> you're staring up at me, mouth like open slightly, just like who, who is this person, and what have they done with our friend? And so, did they applaud at, at the end? So yeah, so so it was an interesting, you know, meetup afterwards. You know, afterwards I come down, and I've got like stage makeup on, and it's you know, it when you when you get a when you meet a stage actor right after the show, like they don't look the same. Hey Jensen, can we just do something real quick? Pretend you're you, and I'm going to be one of, the, one of your buddies coming up from the baseball team. All right, all right, all right. Ready? Here we go. Hey guys. Hey man, what you think? What's on your face, man? Oh, that's uh, that's that. Uh, you got, you got something on your face. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's, it's like clown makeup, you know. It's, you wear it's makeup because the light. Doesn't... What? Well, it's it, it's more just like it's paint. It's like paint. It's like theater paint. Oh, yeah. What'd you guys think? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. You you sing? That was kind of weird. Yeah. You never sang no. in on the baseball field or nothing. No, no, not not between uh, chewing sunflower seeds and dipping in the outfield. No, it was. 
Should we get separate uh, locker rooms? <laughs> you know, probably back then it was probably a little weird. It Unfortunately, wasn't, it wasn't. You're not. You're not far off. But however, it was. Uh, but they liked you. You were good. They were like you're. Yeah, they, they. It was. It was. It was a reluctant kind of applaud. Like I came up and they were like. They didn't want to look at me in the eye. They were like, man, that was awesome. Good, nice, nice job, man. <laughs> As you're no, looking down. Hey, man, you were great. Yeah, man. eyes down, not making eye contact, just telling me, like, man, that was, that was really good, man. I'm just, I didn't know you could do that. That's uh, that's that's cool. All right, well, we're going to go in the parking lot and crush a six-pack. <laughs> Are you coming with us? Hell yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, how Why don't you wipe that? Why don't you wipe that crap off your face and come meet us for some tours? <laughs> Did you uh, – Maria had to be a hard song to sing. It was a very difficult song, and I was I was working with the the, the girl who played Maria, and it was Kendra Ware, and she was a like all state, all national like choir genius, and she was like a this phenom, and I'm like, great, great, you're gonna put the jock with the like songbird over here, and she's gonna make me look like a moron, and I remember when we first started rehearsals, like she came up to me and and she was like, look, I'm not. I'm not real comfortable with the whole acting and reciting lines and like the, the movement and stuff. She's like, I just stand there and sing. Mm. Can you kind of give me some, can you give me a little help with like that aspect? I'm like, if you can help me sing. So we did, we, we worked together and she kind of gave me some pointers and I helped her out with the, the blocking and all that kind of stuff. Can you still and hit it, that note? The most beautiful sound I ever heard. That last one. Oh, dude, I couldn't hit it that night. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but Rob, you know <laughs> what happens? Maria. That was kind of it. I mean, we were kind of there. It's such a hard note. Just grab your balls, buddy. That was a hard song to sing, man. And, and, and we were singing it. I love watching your success. And I love watching your success. Because to me, you're, you've always been a great guy. You've always been some guy who shows up to set whether whether it's showing up to set and you're prepared and you're fun and you're you're just you're you're one of the guys you're just a dude you're just uh, you know you have a big heart you know what's right so you know Tom and I was always like, we're always like you know when we, I remember hearing Supernatural is going off to do Supernatural and we're like well what's that yeah you just don't you just don't know and then when we started to see wow good for him and jared because i knew jared too a little bit and yeah you know it's just yeah. seeing good guys do well and that's always nice you know oh that's uh and, well and thank you for the compliment that's uh that's very nice I, I i mean you guys were were certainly um some folks that i i, I look to for guidance in that regard and, and just also uh um, somebody that i look to for inspiration on like i don't know that i've ever worked on a set that was more entertained by a single person than by you walking on set. I, I'll never forget the time we walked on set and we did the entire blocking uh, musically. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. You and I were like in the trailer and we were playing guitar and, and, and you were, they were like, Hey guys, you know, it's uh, that they're ready, ready for blocking. And we were, it was like your home set. I don't know. I forget what the name of that set was. Uh, and you were like Luther Mansion. Yeah, that's it. It was a Luther Mansion, and and you were like, uh, you're like, ah, we were right in the middle of the song. He's like, wait, I'm not that way. We're just finished. You know what? Screw it. Let's just bring this on set, and we'll figure it out. And you, you kept those like three or four chord progression going, and then we ended up doing all the dialogue musically, <laughs> and people people couldn't work for like an hour because they they were they were trying to to calm themselves down from the laughter because your, your like, name is teague right your last name was teague jason teague yeah jason i think you should work for me <laughs> jason <laughs> i am the mastermind criminal of all time mr luther <laughs> we're idiots oh man it is and then there you know there's a couple of other folks in there that just they either they couldn't sing or they didn't want to sing or they just they they weren't they weren't going to jump on the, nope. the rosy bandwagon they weren't and you just plowed right through and could have cared less and <laughs> I wish I still had that sort of attitude. I mean, dude, I do it. dude, you're legend. You're legend. I mean, I still work in Vancouver, and I still there's there's still guys that that worked like the first several seasons of, of Smallville that that are are on Supernatural and have been for many many years, and they still talk about you know when Rosie would roll on the set or or some joke you did or when you decided to moon the crew seventy two times in a day or whatever it was. Was your were your parents always like? Uh so supportive were they always like you want to act act you want to play sports play sports we love whatever you want to do or they want you to do something 
Yeah, they were supportive on on kind of all fronts. And I think it's very obvious uh, when you look at my sister and my brother, the three of us are wildly different. Uh, you know, my brother went and was more studious and and more uh, you know less less of a, of, of a social presence, and and he he was a drummer on the drum line, and he went to you know a, a college and, and played in the marching band, and he was just uh, kind of surrounded himself with a lot of much more different people. wasn't an athlete, and and then I came up uh, through the ranks and and you know, kind of uh, cut a wide swath as far as being socially promiscuous and, and doing things uh, to where my sister kind of had a, a nice, easy stroll in the park. Um, but she kept it, she, she's a, uh, you know, she kept it between the lines really well too. My brother and my sister were, uh, I think, gave my mother and father a lot less of a headache than I did. I was the middle child. What did you do that was so, were you always getting in trouble? Did you get arrested ever? Uh, once and, and then there was a lot of tomfoolery that wasn't, uh, that I'm sure if they'd known about, which some of it they did and some of it they never found well, what out What did about. you do to go to jail? Oh man, this is, this is not a, I didn't go to jail. Uh, but I was, um, we went out, snuck out of the house, went out with some buddies and we decided to, to shoot up some, uh, um, heroin. No, 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 no. Yeah. I know, not heroin. We had we we were getting into paintball at this time. Oh yeah, and we decided to, to grab our guns and go for a, a spree around the neighborhood, and uh, that ended up in a bit of a high speed car chase on the highway with about ten cops. And they didn't arrest you. Well, they arrested me until they figured out they figured out that it was not a real firearm, that it was a paintball gun, and then they held me there while my uh, while my they held me there on the side of the highway in cuffs until my dad came and picked me up. <laughs> Did he beat your ass? <laughs> he was not happy. Well, your parents, was, did your dad ever give you a smack in the ass? Was he kind of a dad, like a Texas dad? It was like, yeah, you ain't actually, yep. go get my belt. Go pick out a belt. Go pick out a belt. Yeah. See, my smart ass would have got like a little girly belt and like bought it for him no. and put it up there. <laughs> no, see, that's what you think. Like that, the the little one they hurts hurt more, more because oh, it's yeah. like, it's like a whip. Oh yeah, no. You want? I wanted the big, thick, you know, the the, the big wide belt. I didn't even get my mom's, you know, her seventies wide belt because that one, it, you know, get hit with a magazine as opposed to a, a whip. Did you ever try standing up to your dad? No. Was he a big dude? How big's your dad? Uh, he's my size. He's my size. I, I um, you know, he was, uh, you know, six feet, two hundred pounds. But he also never put me in a position where I needed to stand up for myself like that. He was right. He was right. Yeah. Yeah. He would, he would never act out in a way where I was like, this is injustice and I'm going to stand up to him. He's a great guy. He's a good guy. You guys drink beers together? No, he's not a, he he doesn't, he doesn't drink. He's a, he's a pretty, uh, pretty conservative fella, but we've, there's a lot of laugh, a lot of laughter in my family. He was a pretty funny guy. With all the work you do, man, though, do you feel like, uh, you need a couple beers after work to just let, let go and then kind of go to sleep? Do you, do you feel no. like, are you not a drinker, much, much of a drinker? No, not a couple of beers. More like, like a couple of bottles of whiskey. He'll probably do the trick. <laughs> uh, Come on. That's bullshit. <laughs> you couldn't drink a whole bottle of whiskey. Could you? Probably. You probably could. Probably. But you, do you, do you are you the kind of guy who's I, like, I, I, I wouldn't try it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm certainly like, a, a come home and, and, you know, pour a couple of fingers and, uh, read my script for the next day and then go to sleep. How fast are you at learning lines? Kind of. Well, I mean, at this point it's, I'll read what I need to learn for tomorrow, the day before or the night before. Uh, and then the next morning I'll get up and I'll read through it in the, in the, in the hair makeup trailer. And then if it's, if it's extensive dialogue, I'll run it a few times, maybe by myself or with whoever I'm more. If it's with Jared, I'll run it with Jared. If it's with Misha, I'll, you know, we'll get together. We'll run it a few times. But for the most part, that's, that's it. If it is, if it's a fairly simple scene, a page scene or whatever like that, I won't even have the lines memorized. I just understand the blocking and understand what needs to be said. And the lines just kind of come. Really? Yeah. Was there a, was there a part uh, or a time on, on the show where the first few seasons were like, you would really learn the lines inside out and really like, you know, spend more time on them and not the day before, but try to learn the script in advance and, you know, work yourself to the bone or like, this is not working for me. No, Jared will be, he's the complete, he's that he does that. He reads the script a dozen times and he, he goes over it and over it and I guess works out what he wants to do. 
I will read it once and then just trust my instincts. But so you don't have to have it word word by word. If it's like a little all over, it's okay as long as it makes sense and it's articulate. Yeah, I, yeah. They're I mean the writers aren't uh, sticklers necessarily like like comedic writers where it's like oh no 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 that says do not that doesn't say don't. We'll change things. We'll massage dialogue to maybe make it a little bit more conversational. Maybe make it a little bit more character driven. Right. Uh, maybe make it make it make sense to. I mean, there's been multiple times in the script where it literally says in the uh, in the stage direction, and then just whatever Jensen wants to say here. <laughs> Does it really say that? Yeah, I love that. That's great. They yeah, just... They'll, just, they'll just literally just throw it to me and be like, and then what else? If he's got anything else, then just have him throw that in. Is there anything you've made up over the years that's become kind of a, a trademark Jensen Ackles, like that you just know that fans know that you do something that you kind of added, and then that became a thing? From the pilot episode, there was a line that Kripke had written where the car gets stolen essentially and a ghost like possesses the car, but we get it back. And then, um, and then I say the line, son of a bitch. And I don't think it was written to be more than just a, you know, a begrudgingly like son of a bitch, you know, an exasperated kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and I, I like yelled it out loud. Like I wanted someone to hear me. You know, I was like, son of a bitch! <laughs> was it unexpected? They didn't expect you to do that? And that, and now that's like, that's like, the, like anytime, that's like the catchphrase. And in, in like so many different facets, you know, it's just, it, whether it's yelling, whether it's... Do you ever sign that? Do you ever sign son of a bitch for people? I just put S-O-B. You put S-O-B? They're like, uh, can you spell that out, please? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, what that can means. you put some of a bitch on there? Yeah, sure. So be there. You go. So you said like the show was sort of in a bubble for many years of not getting like you know, uh, we don't know if we're gonna get picked up. They're kind of like this, and I know that studios kind of f with actors. You know, they kind of like, you know, we're gonna say it's not doing that great to keep them on their toes, so they don't want to renegotiate. When was it you were like, we're renegotiating? Like season four or five, when the writer creator was like, I'm out. I had five years planned out. That's the, that's the five I'm going to give you. I'm moving on. And when they were like, okay, great. Well, that's fine. We'll, we'll just find somebody to, to come in and keep it going. Cause this is, this isn't going anywhere. That's when I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> You're like, okay. That, that was the time. And were you guys, uh, boys like you and Jericho, let's go on together. Oh, as far as like, uh, uh, negotiating more power with two numbers. Yeah. I mean, since I would say since season two, you guys have been, and everything, it's you too. We've been on the same page, yeah. That's it. This is what I think we should ask for. This is what I think we should. And did there come a time you're like, you know, I, I can't work this hard as this much for this many episodes a year, and I, I miss my family, I miss all these things. I want to have some kind of, like, a modicum of life or whatever that is. And did you think, you know what, uh, I'm not working on Fridays, or I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to get these, you know, is there something in there? It, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, you know, when, when you're working, uh, especially when you're working out of, of, of state, out of country, uh, which, you know, this is something that you're, you're very familiar with and that you dealt with, you know, you put your life on hold intensely. And when your life continues to, to go and to grow outside of the show, like when you find a, a, a mate and you get married and you start a family and you have children and then there's, you know, your, your other, your, your extended family and your friends and all these people that you really never see because you're in a different state or in a different, in a different city, you know, working 12 to 14 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and then you're exhausted by the weekend and it's all about recovery until you, so you can turn around and do it again on Monday. That schedule is, is, you know, only tenable for so long. And then you start to have to tell the, the writers, Hey, I need a little bit of, of relief here. Can you bring in some other characters to shoulder some of this weight? So they did. And, you know, they started bringing in uh, some other characters. Misha came in season four. You know, they brought uh, Mark Shepard in. They brought uh, they brought up a, a, a few other kind of um, guest cast that turned into full time cast. That gave us a little bit of leeway. You know, at this time, we were still trying to up our our, you know, still trying to get money and still trying to negotiate that stuff. And but eventually it got to a point, and this was years ago, it got to a point where we were like, it wasn't about the money. They paid us fine. Like they were they were compensating us for our work and, and we were fine with that. It was about the quality of life. And so that's when we started like really asking for a plane. Longer vacations. 
longer weekends, requested four or five day weekends, that kind of stuff. And they did it. And they were like, you know what, we'll, we'll make that happen. And, and I, But at, at the same time, we didn't want to be like, you know, we're not going to work on Fridays. We're not going to work on Mondays. We're going to, you know, we, we only want to work 10 hour days or something like that. If Jared and I did something like that and put that contractual, it would have made the show suffer. I think he and I both would never want to risk the quality of the show declining for personal reasons. And I think that was, you know, that's one of the many things that weighed into the decision that, that a lot of us had about moving on was that we don't want that to become a rub. We don't want to not feel like we want to be there. I wanted to make sure that I spent time with my family. My family knew I loved them, but I also wanted to spend enough quality time with the show and do what's right by that because it's very important. They're both very important to me, and I want to give them equal energy and time and all that stuff. It's, and it's tough. It was, it's been a difficult balance the past couple sure. of years. Um, How tired have you been to the point where you're like, I can't do this? Have you ever been like, I, I just can't maintain this sort of work schedule? I can't. I just can't physically and mentally do this. No. I don't know why. I just I feel like I have made a commitment to the show. I'm, I mean, yes, I'm under contract and I could you know, be in legal problems if I decided just to throw in the towel and not show up. But I would never. It goes beyond that for me. It goes beyond. I could right now list, you know, a dozen to two dozen names that I work with, no matter how tired they are. And they're showing up because they've got mouths to feed. They're showing up when they're when they're tired or when they're exhausted or or, uh, because because they they have to. I don't have to. But if they're doing it, they can't show up if I'm not there. And I don't want to be the one responsible for them not getting a, a, a decent paycheck that week. I think my point really was was not like that you didn't want to, but the point where I was just like you were just physically like, can I in your mind? Like I, I'm so I'm so fucking tired. I can't I can't talk to my wife tonight. I can't I, I can't fly back to see my kids this week. And I'm, I just I don't have the strength right now. Have you ever been that tired? Or are you that that's what more of what I'm saying? Yeah, I have been that tired, but I, I do it anyway. You push through it. Do you work out? How do you do it? Do you, do you consistently every day, hey, if I'm going to do this, my body's got to be in great shape. I've, my mind's got to be in great shape. I've got to eat really well. How do you prepare for something like this? You can't really let yourself go. No, you can't. Uh, and I, I, I'm not as good about that as, as Jared is. You know, he, he's, he is one of those guys. He's a regimented. He's like, he's like I have to get up and, and jog five miles a day or, or I don't function. I'm like, I would rather the extra hour and a half of sleep. So that's me. Uh, I take a lot of naps now. <laughs> I love my naps. Rob's got a Rob. Rob's already what are you? Uh, 20, 30. 30. He's got a kid. He's uh, you know you nap, don't you? No, you don't nap. No, that's not if, if, when I'm home. No time for naps. But when I'm on set, nap nap time. Nap sitting. Fact, Jared, Jared and I, um, we have certainly evolved over the years in in the fact that when we used to go to lunch. If we had a long day or we had a long week, we were working back to back 14ers, we would we would go to lunch and, and it'd be like, uh, you know, come on over to the trailer. Let's uh, uh, let's run some lines or let's or, hey, let's go play some ping pong or let's shoot some hoops. Let's watch this, this special that's on right now or what, whatever. We'd, we'd hang out and we just kind of relax. And like lunch was more of just like a social hour. I, I would say. 40 to 40 to 55 percent of the time over the past like two seasons when they call lunch he and i look at each other and we go sleep contest and we go and literally we go straight to our trailers shut the door turn the lights out and immediately just zone out they know not to bother you you're out they just yeah we have we had signs that were made up when we both when both of our uh our children were very small and they'd come to visit and it just says baby is sleeping on like a like a big post. It looks like a like a stop sign. And it's always there. The baby is always sleeping. And and our, our kids are now not babies anymore. But that sign still gets put out in front of our trailers every every lunch hour. <laughs> <laughs> the babies are sleeping. Oh my God. It's it is, man. It, and and there's a time, you know, there are times when it when it is exhausting or when I've I've gone, I've pushed myself too much or um and I'm really tired or, or shit, really hung over, whatever it is. And it's just like you figure it out. You know, you, you, you ask for help from the right people and you do what you need to do to get through it. How long are you going to take when they say, for, I asked Misha this. All right. First of all, 
do you think you're going to break down completely when they when you're wrapped for good? And B, can you honestly say like I am going to do nothing for a good year at least? No, I think I work harder when I'm home than I do when I'm on set. Doing what like with family stuff or? Oh yeah, I've been in my wife and I've been in the garage all morning, like uh, rearranging and like get, putting stuff for storage and giving stuff to Goodwill and like. I'm just at like, work. Hey, let's I'm at work, like film. Like, you want to just take a year off and just be with the family, or can you not do that? Um, n- no, but that's another thing too. Is is I, I love to work. Like I I love I love being on set. I love the camaraderie. I love the collaboration. I love uh, I, I love turning what's on the page into something visual. Um, you know I, I'm. I love the the whole the whole thing, man. I I love walking on set and going to the caterers in the morning and getting breakfast and saying good morning to everybody and getting coffee and get sitting down with the hair and makeup ladies and you know l- listening to them gossip about whatever it is they're gossiping about. <laughs> uh, That's it. Yeah. It's like it's it's just the whole thing going on set, figuring out how to put this puzzle together that is a script. I love that. You know, I'm I'm going back. We start in. Uh, we started a few weeks and I'm, I'm directing the first episode. And, um, you know, I always say that as a director, you're the, you're essentially the, the, the captain of the problem solving squad and your script is your problem and you have to solve it. And I just love that kind of collaborative problem solving environment that, that is, is working on set. I mean, how do you go from like, you know, cause I've, I've directed many times before and, and I, and I think, you know, you're on set and you're like the lead guy you and Jared, and now you're going to direct every scene and then you're going to direct yourself. And then you have another 19 episodes to do after that. And you're cross shooting. You're probably doing stuff from episode two. So it's like, I'm like, Holy shit. Are you sure you want to go and direct? <laughs> do you ever be like, this is a lot. Why do I, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. I will say it is, you know, the season itself. I, I've, I've always compared that to like running a marathon. Like you got to pace yourself because it's a lot of work and it's, a, you know, you can't, you can't burn out quick because, like you said, you just get to a point of exhaustion where you just can't do it any longer. Um, you know, luckily he he and I and, and and the rest of the crew have been doing it for enough years to where we know how to pace ourselves properly. Um, but what what most people don't anticipate, uh, and I, I've done it now. This would be my sixth time. Is that directing is essentially like starting a marathon with sprinting the first two miles. Um, cause there's so much to think about. It's such an, a mentally like exhaustive process of, you know, going through every single page and every single, you know, line and, and figuring out how you're going to shoot that from a visual standpoint. And then you've got to go, okay, this is, this is how I want to do that. What are the departments? Who are the people that I need to talk to in order to facilitate that? And then you got to break that down and then you've got to, you know, then you've got to convince the actors to do what you want them to do. And this is all pre-production. And this is all pre-production. This is before you even like stepping foot on stage. Right. And then inevitably you step on stage and the best laid plans, they will go to shit and you will, you will walk on set and you will be like, like, wait a second, that wall doesn't move. I thought we talked about that in pre-production. And someone's like, no, you talked about that wall. It's like, no, it was that. You're right. It was that wall. So that wall, so that wall doesn't move. No, that one does. Which one? Well, that completely changes. That completely changes everything about the whole structure of the scene. And now we can't have the person coming through that window. Mm. And now if it's through that, then you have you know eighty sets of eyes just staring at you. Go what next? What you gonna do about it? Yeah, huh? <laughs> what do you do and, now? Make a face? Is, uh, yeah, yeah. What's what's gonna be now, clown boy? <laughs> uh, and and this is when and this is when I've seen directors succeed or fail is how they handle that moment. And that's a, it's a, and every, every director is going to feel that moment. They may not feel it, you know, on our show, but if, if it's a daunting directing- task, it is, it is. I've been there in that moment. We're like, Hey, what do we do now? There was one time when I was doing something we had to like, all of a sudden we had, we're on sticks, which means it's just like, you're, you're on a, like a tripod, if you will. And you're like filming, but you're not moving the camera handheld. I'm telling that for the audience. I know you know that, but like, you know, it's, it, but it's started to rain. And we were like, we'll never get this done. So we go, we're going handheld and we're going to block shoot, which means we're going to shoot all the scenes in a row in that direction and then shoot them this direction. My mind does, does not work like that. And I'm creative right. and I'll come up with stuff and I know how to do th- But it's just, it's more linear. And the yeah. AD looked at me. And I'll never forget this. this is day 14 of 18. And it was going so well until that moment. 
on this movie. And she looked at me. She goes, so what do you want to do? For the first time ever in my life, I had nothing to say. She looked at me. She goes, okay. And she took over. (laughs) She literally, for that moment, took over and goes, all right, we're going to go this way. Here's what we're going to do. Because she knows that. And I felt like an idiot. But I was like. I just didn't know what to do. I had I needed more time than right that second. I'm not Stanley Kubrick who gets as you know gets to do a hundred takes or something. Uh, we got to shoot 110 pages in like 17 days. And for this moment, I was like, I don't know what the best idea is. So we had to have some meetings where I'm like, I had to defer yeah. to the people who really know what they're doing, like the DP who's in a lot of movies, who's the AD who's worked on 20 movies, who's you know. And I said, you know what, I nailed it a lot of times, but there's some times where I felt like an idiot. No, I need I need help and I need you guys to help me. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of times when, like you said earlier, how, uh, you know, you, you, you as a director, you've got to direct everybody else, but you also have to direct yourself. And we don't have time. I mean, there's just no time to sit and watch playback all day nope. long. Sure, you can do that, but you're not going to get your days. And we pack so much filming into a 12 hour day. There's no time for, you know. For that kind of like, yeah, oh, no- <laughs> well, let's let's him and haw about, you know, whether that angle was good or whether that light was good or whether that. No, 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 no. I, I, I'll do a scene. If I'm in the scene, I will I will do the take. If it felt good, I'll look at my camera operator and be like, yeah, because he's been watching me for 15 years. I'll be like, we good. He's like, it was all there. I look at my DP and I'm like lighting performance, everything. He's like, yeah, that's it. AD's like any hiccups. Nope. Moving on. Trust. Trust. You got to trust. Because the last thing you want to do is one of those fucking actors who are like, let me just go see myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can <laughs> yeah, I, can I just see how, how I it looked? No. No, you can't. Sit down, clown face. <laughs> Sit down. You know what? There was uh, – you, you, you were tell, you were telling a story a minute ago with, uh, you know, we're on sticks and, like, things were things were happening and weather and stuff. Yeah. So it reminds me of a story I was having a Supernatural one time. We were shooting down uh, on a beach. It was a very rocky beach. It was at night. Like, a boat comes in. And it like it goes up onto the beach and the camera's on sticks on the beach. And we're it's shooting at us standing like it basically the waves are kind of crashing against our ankles and stuff. And we're having this conversation and the tide is starting to come in and we're not getting the shot. And the tide keeps coming in and they keep having to pick up this, the, the camera on the tripod and and bring it back. And eventually it gets to a point where it's like the end of the scene and we've got it. But the director yells out from the tent. He's like, he's like, give me a push in. And for the audience, that's where the camera slowly moves into the actor. And, and it's a, you know, it kind of adds a little dramatic flair. Oh, no. it's, it's, it's a, it's a nice accent, right? right? Well, they're, they're running out of beach and the water's now like really getting high and, uh, and there's no time to lay track. And so I just say, I'm like, you know, guys, like the camera guys are like, we don't have any track. We can't lay track. You know, it's, we're running out of time. The water's coming up on the thing. And I'm like, I got it. Just roll. And we roll. And I'm not kidding. You moved up. I just do this. I go. You put, so you, you literally, you bent I, into I, I the spread, picture. I spread my legs out. And then I just, I just slowly moved while looking at the other actor. And just slowly went straight towards camera. You created a push in. Yeah. And the they camera used it. <laughs> stayed where it was and you slowly moved into the camera. I slowly and moved into the camera. When they said cut, did they applaud you? The crew did. The director was like, <laughs> Thank you. We could have got that, you schmuck. Yeah. Dude, that is genius. Oh, I wish that was yeah. you you have that? You had to get that piece of film. Oh yeah, no, they they use it. That's it's that's and now we'll just do it all the time. And the director's like, what are you doing? Why are you pushing in? I didn't ask for the push in. The camera guys are like, we're on sticks. That's the actors being assholes. <laughs> <laughs> that is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. my God. And the other question was, don't think I forgot, is like, how do you feel when you look at uh, Jared for the last time or Misha for the last time? And I, I know it's not the last time, but the last time you're doing Oh, you you were asking about the, yeah. How do you the, think how, you're going to feel? How, how do you emotions. think? Do you think you'll be able to just keep it together? I don't know, man. I, I think for me, it's not going to be like, you know, they're going to be like, and that's a series wrap on Supernatural. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> I might. But for me, I think it's going to come in little waves leading up to the end. You know, it's going like, to come yeah. in little moments where I'm like, that's going to be the last time I do that. 
or that's going to be the last, that's going to be the last time I sit down and, and, and read a script. This is the last time I, I act with Misha. This is the last time I act with Jared. This is the last time I say goodbye to my makeup artist, whatever that is. Right, right. Whatever those, whatever those little moments are. And this season is going to be full of them. That's the last holiday party we're going to have. You could also do this, Jensen. I could just see you right now. Oh, my God. This is the last first shot from a season I'll do. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is the, la- yeah. the last first Saturday I'll have off oh, after the first. Jared's week. already started. Jared's like, this is the last hiatus we're going to have. <laughs> but he's not serious. I'm like, I'm like we're, oh, yes. He was like, just think, man. This is our last hiatus. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm aware. We've but had guess what? And 15 people, of them. People, yeah, we've had, we've had 15. I think we're good. Yeah, that's that's more summer breaks than you experienced while going to school. So we're okay. And, but but I do I do remember the last season or the last uh, episode of this last season, and and like you know, Jared kind of got a little got a little emotional. He's like, this is the last time we're gonna we're gonna break for hiatus. And then everybody's like. What's it going to be like when it's over? And I'm like, people, we have a year left. <laughs> All year. It's not like we gave our two weeks notice. We gave our 12-month notice. We have a year. A year. <laughs> Can we save this for January? And they're like, God, clown face is God. such a dick. <laughs> Dude, this has been a real treat, man. I mean, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. You know, another thing that's cool is, you know, we both did uh, Jason Mann's album covers, covers with friends, cover with friends, yeah. and we both did a song on that. I love, I always love hearing your voice. And uh, Jason just produced. I know Jason Mann's a good buddy. That's how we met, I think, through Jason. No, 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 no. I met no, you. No, no, no. I met you. I, you, you I met, met Jason through me. you. Right, right. We were kind of playing guitar one day and up and. Although uh, Jason's one of those guys, anybody I've ever introduced him to, they're always like, "I, I want to be friends with him." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. He's good." And, I, and he produced uh, our album, Left on Laurel's album, so which is coming out, and he's just extraordinary. He's such a calm, patient, and I had never been in the studio and recording these songs, and it just he makes you feel so comfortable, right? Uh, he's a he's a he's a Yoda. He really is. He really is. Yeah. So it's been fun touring with him in in uh, Germany, and I know a lot of the Supernatural fans know Jason and fan of his. Oh, yeah. And um, but look, man, I, I'm so so uh, grateful for this time with you and uh you know you, you I always consider you a friend and i know how busy you are but you know once this season's over uh the next season i'll, I'll probably hopefully see you once in a blue moon well i i, I know you will because i'm gonna you know i'm gonna have to start coming back out to la and looking for a job you got a place to stay uh, if you need one <laughs> well there well there you go as long as it as long as it has a microphone like that and nothing but hockey jerseys hanging yeah, in there a lot in of the, hockey jerseys i got freddie krueger up there and i got dude thank you for allowing me to be inside <laughs> of you jensen ackles you're oh, uh, you're buddy, a mensch it's been, it's been a joy and a pleasure yeah i'd say this is probably your best interview you've ever done it's certainly one of the interviews i've done <laughs> <laughs> Rob didn't get it at first. Yeah, it took him an extra second. He just gave you, hey, give love to uh, Daniil and the, and the family. And uh, I will. I'll try to get up to Vancouver and see you before it's all over. I love you, buddy. I love you too, Rob. That was Jensen Ackles. Guys, hey, thanks for listening to the episode today. As promised, I told you I'd play a song every episode until the album's done uh, of our new album, Left on Laurel, Saved by the Ground. Today, right now, you can go to the uh, iTunes store. It's available on all platforms. You can buy the songs, listen to it. Merch is on Inside of You store. Uh, our handle, Left on Laurel, the whole band. Tweet us. We'll tweet you back. We love talking to you. Um, here is track four on the album, the debut album. This is called Lost with your eyes wide open. Somehow your world is spinning and your life's in peril. You're breaking down.
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was three page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.